Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. The fans have won already. What a spectacular week of competition we have seen. On this episode, we take a look back over the 2020 season with Leah Pruitt and take a fun look back at the Pro Stock Motorcycle Year. And there is not a happier human being on planet Earth than the woman in that Pro Stock car. We're talking nitro-burning top fuelers and gasoline-burning Pro Stock bikes. Goodbye, Snake, and hello, Ace! This is the NHRA Insider. And the wildest day in the history of this category is finally complete. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here with a post-Thanksgiving episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We're going to put a point on the year for Pro Stock Motorcycle in this episode, and we're going to talk to Leah Pruitt about her season in Top Fuel, which, like everybody else's season, was pretty tumultuous, but had a lot of high points in it as well. So it'll be interesting to catch up with Leah and kind of get her impressions now that we are several weeks uh, retired from competition in 2020. We're certainly looking forward to 2021 and the schedule which has been announced and we've gone over it here on the show a 23 race campaign coming for that 2021 season certainly hope everybody had a great thanksgiving and a potentially great thanksgiving break if you're able to do that uh we at the nhra were able to take a little bit of a deep breath uh, last week and kind of hang out and not have to uh crank out the content or work on anything too hardcore so that was a nice change of pace you know we're looking forward to 2021 for so many reasons but it's neat to see some positive news coming from some of our race teams justin ashley announcing that he has renewed his major sponsorships for the 2021 campaign with auto shocker and with strutmasters.com the coletta motorsports group has also announced their uh, sponsorship uh, fold if you will has expanded with a couple of new associate sponsors as well we're going to catch up with some of the coletta motorsports drivers in the coming weeks here in the nhra insider podcast the sport on the whole is kind of winding down for the year. The last couple of big independent events have happened. The Streetcar Super Nationals took place at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago, just ahead of Thanksgiving. And really the last kind of uh, outlaw race, if you will, of the year is the Bradenton Motorsports Park Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. And that'll be happening this weekend down at the NHRA sanctioned track in Bradenton, Florida. So it is going to be fun to uh, take that event in. I'll be down there for my uh, last event of the year. And uh, it's always a fun one down there because obviously this time of the year, the weather is conducive to being fast. They have a great racing surface there. And we'll get one last look at pro modified cars and some of the radial versus the world machines, as well as pro 275, X 275 and other categories. So some of the high level competitors uh, will be racing for the money down in Bradenton, and then they will be pulling their stuff apart for the winter break and getting themselves prepared for the 2021 campaign on that side of the drag racing world. Stevie Fast Jackson was uh, the subject of a, a NHRA Skype interview we did, again, just ahead of Thanksgiving, if you haven't had a chance to see that yet, or any of the other Skypes we've been doing with our Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series champions and other mover shakers and headline makers around drag racing, you should check them out on NHRA.com. You can also check them out across NHRA's social media platforms. To give you an idea of what we're going to be working on in the offseason as far as NHRA kind of content media creation goes, uh, this NHRA Insider Podcast will continue on as it has over the wintertime. And obviously, this gives us a little more creative freedom in the offseason to do some things. Last year, I talked to guys like Bob Fry and John Lundberg and Joe Amato and some of the other big-time legends during our break uh, leading up to our return to racing. And I plan on uh, reaching into that well again and getting some of the biggest names in NHRA and in drag racing racing history here on the podcast we'll keep that in and outside of the world of nhra that should be kind of fun we will be making fresh episodes of nhra in 30 that will air on the 
the Fox Sports 1 channel. Also, those will air on NHRA.TV a couple of weeks after they air on television. So if you are an NHRA.TV subscriber, you will be getting those episodes and you will see an episode about the wildest rides of 2020, kind of the modern take on the And They Walked Away video series. You'll see an episode about the 10 biggest runs of the year as voted and decided on by a panel of NHRA quote-unquote experts. And uh, we'll we'll continue on some some creative content there. You'll see four to five episodes of NHRA and 30 um, brand new stuff that will air over the course of the wintertime as well as the re-airing of some of our races. We'll also continue our weekly in uh, Skype interviews with, again, various people inside the sport of drag racing, not just drivers. We're really going to work to expand that over the next uh, couple of months. We'll have plenty of time to do it. So we'll be talking to track operators and promoters and racers and, again, people from inside the world of NHRA as well as those outside the world of NHRA that may be coming in. Guys like Lyle Barnett, if you're a fan of small tire drag racing, you have likely heard the news that Lyle Barnett will be racing a Pro Modified out of the Elite Motorsports Camp in the NHRA E3 Spark Plugs Pro Mod Series presented by JNA Service in 2021. And uh, Lyle's story is incredible. If you're unfamiliar with it, uh, Lyle is a very hardcore racer has been for years in the radial small tire and now even the no prep world a heck of a driver and lyle nearly died in a a horrendous race car fire uh, several years ago was burned uh, very significantly um, over a lot of his body and had an amazing and very grueling recovery to uh, just get past the injuries he sustained and then he worked his way back into race car driver form and is back out there knocking him dead and, and killing him Again, in radial racing and small tire racing and even in uh, some of the no prep style stuff. So the fact that he has now made the leap into the world of NHRA E3 Spark Plugs Pro Mod is a really incredible story. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you're going to get to know Lyle because we're going to talk to him um, for NHRA. You'll you'll see a Skype with him. I'll for sure have him on the podcast for a bit of a longer form interview. Um, but I think one of the things you may appreciate right off the bat is if we look at NHRA Pro Mod, and we kind of contextualize it into the 1990s of NHRA funny car racing. What did we have then? We had John Forrest, who was the kind of ebullient and, you know, wild and crazy guy. And then you had Al Hoffman, who was really his foil. And Hoffman had a very different personality type, was really hardcore, was a guy who did not mess around, did not mince words, um, had a famously quick temper and was, uh, was you know, a real just badass. He was, he was the opposite of John Forrest and gave John all he could handle. In 1995, he was the number two racer in points, uh, his best series finish of his funny car career, but he was able to take John down in some pretty high-profile moments. In my mind, Lyle Barnett kind of fits that mold. Barnett is kind of the Al Hoffman to the John Four-style personality that Stevie Fast Jackson has, and I look forward in the coming weeks to talking to Lyle about that and getting his impression of my interpretation of that, and we'll see what happens. But uh, he will be a guy that does not mince words. He's going to be a great interview. And he will be somebody that hardcore racers out there that love this kind of crossover, people that come from outside the NHRA world into it, and people that then dip their toe back outside it, like Stevie Fast does, like Alex Laughlin does, um, Lyle Barnett, the latest in that group. And in some ways, um, the most compelling, just because his story is one of survival, of determination, and of raw skill. He is an absolute and utter wheelman that will be putting on a great show. So that's kind of what's going to be happening. Also, for those of you that enjoyed Shop Talk, that will come back. Alan Reinhardt and I will be doing um, weekly-ish 
uh, shop talk shows where we will delve into technical subjects involved in drag racing. We have a series of a few of them coming up about power adders. We'll do a show about nitrous oxide. We'll do a show about turbochargers. And we'll do a show about the three different types of superchargers we see in NHRA drag racing, be they centrifugal roots or screw style superchargers. Such as a little bit of a window into what we have going on. And of course, the NHRA Time Machine series will continue. I love uh, making those and uh, certainly love digging through our NHRA archive, finding the footage and uh, kind of putting some context to it and showing you some things that you haven't seen before. The neat part about the archive is that not only do we have a lot of the finished produced shows, but we also have what's called the line cuts of those shows, which contain footage that you've never seen before because it was edited out or simply didn't run. When we shoot a race, whether it's now or whether it was 20 years ago, the cameras are running all the time, and you don't use the footage from every single camera, every you know shot. You pick the shots you want. That's what the director and producer do. You pick the shots and the storylines you're telling, and then you wear them. And so what that means is there is piles and piles of footage, compelling footage, that didn't necessarily make air that we can now bring to light. And uh, if you've been watching those, thank you. Again, I love making them. And um, we had a couple of great ones last week. Al Hoffman, John Force, the, the 1992 Memphis crash with some never-before-seen um, kind of man-on-the-scene footage. The whole thing was great, and that one's been uh, very well received. So, again, you can see those on NHRA.com. You can see them on NHRA's Facebook page and around NHRA's social media as well as Twitter uh, to boot. The staff at National Drags will be working hard to produce their content. They're working on their last issue of 2020 right now. Those guys have done a killer job under tough circumstances like pretty much everybody has in 2020. And uh, it's going to be great to work with them continuing into 2021 to make uh, to make content and, and to work with Phil, uh, to work with Kevin McKenna and work with David Kennedy and the rest of the folks that are cranking out the words week in and week out for NHRA.com and National Dragster. So that's a little glimpse into what we have going on from this point forward. And obviously, uh, as racing news breaks, we'll be reporting on that. As things about the series and different information comes to light, we'll be reporting on that too. And it's going to be a great thing in the world of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. So now you know that, we're going to get into a conversation with our first guest and our only guest on this episode. We're going to have Leah Pruitt on, and then we're going to give you a very fun recap of the 2020 NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycle season, which was absolutely wild. So without further ado, I welcome Leah Pruitt onto the NHRA Insider Podcast. How you doing, Leah? I'm doing awesome. How you doing, Brian? Doing great. It's great to uh, catch up with you. And as I've been kind of working my way around, kind of catching up with everybody now that the season's over, I really wanted to talk to you because I think when we look back at the 2020 season, for most of us, it was like two seasons in one. But I think for you, it was like three seasons in one. You know, we started first couple races, then we had the layoff, then we came back. And then we had post St. Louis. So you had a whole range of emotions happening over the course of this year. We definitely did. I feel like we ran a couple seasons in that. And <laughs> if there was ever one fitting season to be had, it would be in that year in the 2020. Yeah. Just goes along with, you know, everything that you wouldn't see that would happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reality is when I look at your, your particular journey through this year, I think it, there's, definitely more highs than lows I'd have to say I mean obviously we'll get to some of the stuff that happened later in the year but when I look at the overall picture of what what Leah Pruitt's life was in 2020 drag racing and, and all encompassing I feel like the 2020 is not really a year you're going to look back on with a lot of regret or or kind of bad feeling no I mean I would I'd really sum it up with 
a magnitude of, of growing and learning. And it started actually at the end of 2019 where we took our car that we had in the championship chase for last year and it was pretty strong in the last three races yeah. and we we didn't change and we front halved it just to get a freshie and knew that that's what we wanted to start with and instead of you know just starting from scratch it's taking that momentum and moving it into 2020 and i think that's that's how and why we got such a great start is that we were just we rolled with it we didn't try and reinvent the wheel in any way and um and definitely had momentum so i know just like for everybody when we got that screeching halt right before gainesville that we weren't racing it was man okay you know what exactly are do we work on in these months and make things better when we had a car and a team in a in a very well lubricated system yeah and uh so that you know it challenges your mind it challenges your team and your work ethic of, of how to keep going and i think we came out of the quarantine and you know hitting indy really hard really consistent and again you know another variable thrown in on it um which is a blessing too is when Corey came on as yeah. my teammate our teammate and i've i've said it before and i'll say it again i mean he is absolutely wonderful as a veteran and i've never had i guess that close of a conversational re- like teammate relationship because we're driving the same car we have the same crew chiefs my team my guys have built that car and are you know scrambling back and forth between trailers making everything happen and so we went from not running anything for a couple of months to you know deep down in the we're not only racing but we're racing hard and in a crunched amount of qualifying times and making everything count for both cars and i think uh you know we were definitely operating at maximum bandwidth for a long time what uh, what kind of questions and conversations did you have with Corey kind of when he came back in because obviously you know he's the type of guy that's like you said total pro the guy's you know veteran he's just an awesome kind of badass top fuel racer as he always has been in his career but he also was stepping into a car that you were ultra familiar with like what were the initial conversations you had with him it first started off with our warm-up procedure and every driver will tell you that they do something different and whatever that is there's there's no wrong way well actually there's a lot of wrong ways to warm up a car (laughs) but whatever works for your crew chiefs and uh you know from from clutch temperature to rolling of the tire to to trimming fuel um all of that and so then the procedure is important and the timing is important so me first uh teaching him what i do to replicate um so immediately off the bat to be as consistent as possible. So it was me feeding him some information. And then as we all know, you know, my car having that, that K member has been a little bit of a a wild ride to to drive, you know, it's it's straight and keeping it in the groove, but it likes to move around a lot. So he, he would have conversations with me. And then when he actually drove that car in a St. Louis test session, he's like, I know exactly what you're doing. Okay. Okay. Like, I, I, I feel what you're doing. And he had to get out of the gas one time because he w- wasn't bringing it back over because it's such a different car to drive than running one with an X-Brace. And so those conversations, like, you can really only have with somebody that's driven those cars um, back and forth. And it was all the way from keeping calm. And a lot of people know, and I think it shows that I get really up on the chip and excited focused and you know i have a high heart rate yeah and i'm just i'm just intense and he really brought a lot of calming sense to to the race pit and atmosphere and um and so that that i think that was a first stage 
of me learning how to calm my nerves and operate, whether it's a test session, a qualifier that matters or doesn't matter. And we saw in Indy that one, we were qualified number 17 going into that, you know, to our one and only Q3. Yeah. And, um, and being able to roll with it, like, just do your job, just do your job. And I think the thing about the 2020 season is that it has allowed me to focus more on the driving portion of a race car than I've ever had in my career. And, you know, that comes with pros and cons. Um, I miss our driver intros. I miss taking pictures and signing with the fans, having Mopar autograph sessions, meet and greets with Penzoil, like all of the things that are encompassing with a race weekend that make it so great. Um, we didn't have the opportunity to do. So what I did is I would fill that time with, A, I'd be able to fire up my, my top fuel car in between factory stock you know races yeah, not and be qualifying. sprinting between things and yeah exactly spending more and then you know there'd be a couple things where if my if my pedal fell off um or you know just blade adjustment and all just look more attention to detail and you know, what that is is it costs nothing paying attention and paying particular time costs nothing and so i learned to spend all of all of my time uh with my guys and that car and of course, that car into the second car, and I think that's what that's what helped me become a better driver. And you don't really know, like, if somebody asked me, Leah, you know, what would you work on for twenty twenty one to be a better driver? Like, you have to take what's in front of yeah. you and and analyze the situation and, and grow with it. I would have, I would have never thought, you know, more time in the pit and analyzing runs with my crew chiefs and understanding even more about the runs um, would help me and make you would think it would make you better. But I didn't have that time before. Now I did. Now going into 2021, it's how do how do the balance you keep right that yeah yep and how, how do you keep it all? Yeah, I mean you know the the thing that that struck us uh, you know is we're watching the races basically as paid spectators doing our job. We're paying attention to everything that's going on. But when we got back onto the onto the racetrack in Indy, um, we saw Aaliyah Pruitt that was not just not just being competitive with some of the best levers, you were rising to the challenge and trading blows with these guys. And it was awesome. I mean, it really did. It really did bring a, a neat element to a lot of these matchups that you had. And you had some tough draws in, on early rounds on Sundays. And this was not a question of where is she going to land? All of a sudden it became, oh, she's going to be there. And the other people know she's going to be there. And I guess I want to talk to you a little bit. I've talked to other drivers about this, but you know, we made a big deal out of, a big deal out of what Justin Ashley kind of brought into the category this year. Did you feel, I don't want to say the negative effects of that because no one, I don't talk about it in a negative, but did you feel and kind of understand what he was doing in terms of, okay, like this kid's, this kid's kind of raising the bar a little bit on all of us? Absolutely. He brought a next level of elevation and it's nothing again to take away from the other great drivers and levers in that category but he not only became one of them but beat a lot of yeah. them and you know blasting off 20s those those aren't accidents and so i look at that as there's a way to do it he has yeah. figured out something a he has extreme talent and b he's able to capitalize on it and pull from that when um and that that's I mean, he's, he's a great driver yeah. and is able to pull from that. And I know that's the thing is that when you get in a slump, getting out of that is hard. And I won't say that I've, I can't say I've been in a slump, but I haven't been able to perform at what I would consider top and peak and at that caliber. So when we did come back, it was, I tried a lot of things in quarantine, um, really physically, mentally, one of them would be, and I, you know, I'm not, 
not afraid to share this because it's up to everybody else if they want to do it or not. But there's some people that go and they hit that practice tree for a half an hour or an hour or two or whatever it may be. Or maybe they don't. I know racers that cut killer lights and yeah. they will, the last time they have, <laughs> will have seen a tree was Vegas in 2020 before right. Pomona. <laughs> but I knew something needed to change for me because my last, my exit out of racing into quarantine was my second or my semifinal loss against Billy Torrance in a not uh, ideal way. And so I had a lot, yeah, I had to sit on that and work on that. So what that for me was you hit the tree once you get up, you go do something else. You could do your daily activities work. I, I work for a tech company on the side called sorts digital. So my mind is, always active with accounts and everything and then you know what there it is and you go hit it one more time again because you do not have a chance to be in that top fuel cart and just hit it and hit it and hit it and right. hit it it's the one time that makes it go and so there's 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 actually four things that i made into a routine besides practicing on the tree but that was the one thing that i changed from my tree practicing routine and once we came back in uh into racing uh that was very convenient for time you know that you're in during racing whether it's in the morning or the couple days in between instead of really relying on hitting it for a long amount of time and you know with that was it I, I don't particularly know it could have been the three or four other things but it it's the age-old definition of insanity right so if yes. I could just kept doing the same thing <laughs> Yeah, so. you know, and, and I, I want to obviously talk about the St. Louis situation because it was, you know, obviously an, an incredible, for all the wrong reasons, thing to see happen. Great to see you get out of the race car, and then obviously you're back in the car at the next race. Um, we made so much of this period between the two races, and I guess my question is, you know, as much of what we make of it as we're sitting here outsiders looking in on the situation, like, man, what do you kind of run through in your head a million times? Did you not run through it at all? I mean, in that window between the two races, other than hustling to get your car back, if you will, um, what was the kind of primary thought process, if there was any at all, about what happened? <laughs> to be honest, it was I looked at Scott and I was like, you know what we need to do? We need to go and confiscate my transformer throttle pedal that we've been working on for the last six months. Because <laughs> that thing looks like it's from outer space. And just, I don't know what I, I know what I like. And, and Scotty's done, Scott Okahar's done a phenomenal job of, I mean, he comes to me and goes, let's do this and this. I'm like, I think I like this, but okay, sure. We'll change stuff when we have two qualifying attempts. Like, all right, it, you got it. You got to go with it now. And so, for me, it was getting that pedal back, and uh, what a lot of people, in the big scheme of things, and the reason I reason I say this is coming off of Thanksgiving holiday with my family that you know they're not big race fans sure. like at all, <laughs> and so they but they they're involved in some ways, and they ask, well, Leah, what you know, what did you do after the crash? Like, what happened to the car? What did you guys? Did you have a spare car? And I'm like, well, about that. Uh, Tony Schumacher, who was in the other lane, was racing with our spare car. So even if we somehow won that round and any something different happened, but if we would have won that round and had a had a trash car, uh, we wouldn't have been able to make the next round because his that one had already been entered into competition. So those are that's the gamble that that yeah. you make. And I'm very happy that Don and Tony were able to field that car and make a ton of progress with it um and subsequently we played repo man and we got that <laughs> car back 
<laughs> we got our spare car back and um, the X race was in it. And between the team that Tony had together and our Mopar team, building him a new car, getting that now a new car for him to go. I mean, it was just a round robin merry-go-round of vehicles and cars and parts and people. I don't think anybody had two consistent teams without somebody changing out. If someone had COVID or what the situation was, it was like, man, we're going a thousand miles an hour and it's up to us to keep up. So for me, I have to say my first initial thought once I knew what that, I mean, I was fine as I was pissed yeah. that we lost the round. Yeah. We lost the car. We were heavy in the championship. You know, at that point, t- points were super tied up there. So it was, man, disappointment on that end. And then my mental state from there was I got to get back in a car. Like I, I literally, I do. I want to. I have first round of factory stock coming up. We've qualified really well. I got a hot rod this weekend. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we know that, you know, St. Louis, just the weather and the conditions all oh, it played was, into. Yeah. It, it, that place was just eating race cars. It was scary. I mean, that was, a, that was as freaked out as I've probably ever been at a drag race. It was wild. It was, it was insane. And I, you know, I'm giving myself, I've, I've already changed suits now. And we're in the staging lanes for factory and I'm looking at that little nine inch tire. And I know we got a good tune and I'm like, I don't care if, I mean, I do care. Of course it's <laughs> right, first round, right. but like, so Kevin asked me, he's like, well, what do you think up there? And I was like, yeah, they look, they look about the same. He goes, I, he goes, I think so too. What lane do you want? And I go, well, I want right. I said, I just crashed in the right. I want to run the right lane and, and, and just tame that dragon and kill it, slay it, be over with it. And then when we didn't, and we had to wait, you know, it was a week, so nine days until we ran again, I'm like, I just had to sit on that. So I really wanted, no matter what, I could have got on my little one wheel or my Can-Am side-by-side and gone down a lane. I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, it speaks, you know, and obviously Alexis had a giant explosion that weekend, and, and it just, you know, I think it's tough. It's tough for a lot of fans to, to understand, and it's tough for us to, to kind of tell them or explain to them like what the competitive spirit is and i think when we see situations like happen to you like happen to alexis and we see alexis won her round she got right back into her car you got right back into a factory stock showdown car i feel like that's the really the only real way we can illustrate the competitive spirit that our drivers have is when we see this type of immediate not to say recovery because it wasn't that you were sore for a long time after that but this immediate kind of mental need to to do this again and prove that this isn't going to happen to me twice Exactly. I would agree with that a hundred percent. And then Alexis is, she is my hero. When I mean, when she had that big bang up, we were in the barn, Todd, Neil and I were, had our first look at the car and what, you know, we were able, in HRA, they allowed us to extract the, uh, the SD card and share it with them. And then that had happened. And I immediately went from looking at my car to, is she okay? And then at, at the end of the day, you know, fans have, have cleared out and uh, went over to her pit and into her lounge. And then just, we just looked at each other and I was like, I was like, I feel pretty good. I bet you don't feel great at all. <laughs> uh, she's a true champ. But um, that's exactly what the fans come to see, though, too. Yeah. I mean, we, between the media and the drivers get put on the, the pedestals and it's real awesome to claim glory when our teams and and the engineers and our crew get us there. And then there are those times where nobody has to push us ever to get inside a car. That's, we have this one job to do and 
we all do this one job because we love it. And when we say we are the most blessed people in the world to drive these race cars, damn right we're going to go and fight to get back in one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a, that's a great uh, kind of a great way to put it. And you know, one question I had, and and I'm going to let you go kind of after we work through this topic, but. Um, and I don't think this is a weird question. I think it's a human question that I want to ask is, you know, this incident happens, uh, you know, you, the world knows that you've been in a relationship with uh, with NASCAR's favorite Tony. And he was there. And he was there at basically every race you ran this year. You had your crew guys there. You know, there was some, I guess, some great photos taken by Mark Ortz of, of you embracing the crew guys, you embracing uh, Taro Kahara. And then Tony was there as well. And I guess my question to you is, what does it mean to have that person that you care about, that you know cares about you, kind of right there to be with you in that moment. I will say I've had a, a lot of people that I love in life and that have loved me, and, and we are a huge racing family together, but it was a very, the very first indie race uh, was the one that he had come to, and at, at the very even beginning of the weekend, I told him, I was like, man, this is a totally new experience for me. I've never, I've never had anybody that I felt was 1000%, you know, not only in my corner or in my lane, but like, you know, I've never raced with my family professionally and, you know, my ex is on a competing team. And so there's always that championship strive and that those wins. And so you're a team as much as you're a team until you're not. And, you know, with Tony coming to that first race and by that point we'd already been dating for four months or whatever it was. So we were already, very close like we quarantined together that's how we started dating we right. quarantined together so <laughs> it's a good way to get it going <laughs> yes and then now we have this racing thing oh yeah um but the, that sense of that sense of comfort i mean like as i was saying between Corey as the, as that teammate and again tony and antron did great as well but tony being there um learning and then he, he would say he's like i got nothing for you like i don't know this world at all <laughs> but he he does have you know, he would tell myself and some of the other drivers that he's met and has known, just go and do some of that driver shit. That's it. Yep. And so that, you know, some of those last words, I've never had some consistent last words besides coming from Todd. And when you have, uh, you know, a, a partner that not only knows every single ounce of intensity and competition and what it takes to get things done. At the end of the day, it's just doing some of that driver stuff. Sorry for cussing on here. Oh no, this is uh, the internet. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, it's a real good positive feeling right yeah. before you it go and, and slay something. So it's, it's been a great journey. He's luckily been able to, this season has been very blessed for us to spend this time together. If this didn't happen this year, I'm not, you know, time probably would have never allowed us yeah. to, to spend what we had together. And will he be at races in 2021? I'm sure some, but not near as many as right. NASCAR comes up to speed and his sprint car series. And he's got a whole engine program running. So we're taking every opportunity opportunity that we can to spend our time together and uh, and grow with each other. That's no, cool. We got to hang out a little bit uh, together uh, at the the Las Vegas race, and it was a fun evening. So it was great to just kind of spend some time with you guys in a low key situation. It was cool. So uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, obviously not a championship year, but or I think a year that you will take with you going forward of uh, like you said of growth and uh, of of learning that uh, you otherwise wouldn't have gotten. And I feel like you your perspective on twenty twenty is so much different in a positive way than maybe so many other people's just because you're able to able to have these experiences and, and kind of view things from a different prism. So I appreciate you taking the time as always. You're always hustling out there whether you're, you know, 
uh, wakeboarding behind a boat or whatever you get, mountain biking <laughs> or a side-by-side flipping upside down, whatever you're doing, just be careful out there. I can't wait to see you in 21. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you again before the off-season's over, but thanks again for taking some time. I appreciate that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All the fans that have stayed with us, uh, Don Schumacher, Mopar Penzoil, we've got a couple partners coming back on next year. It's, it's going to be, I can really say, I'm very much excited for 2021. So thank you, Brian, for having me on. The hustle is real. Thanks, Leah. Thanks. Take care. Well, a lot of great insight there in that conversation with Leah Pruitt on a bunch of different levels. And as I mentioned to her, she definitely had a different experience, like we all did over 2020. Every single person has dealt with this thing their own way or seen it their own way. But her trip through 2020 in Top Fuel and in the Factory Stock Showdown in the Mopar Top Fuel Dragster and her Challenger Drag Pack were certainly uh, different than most. So we promised an interesting and fun look back in the 2020 annals of the Pro Stock Motorcycle category, and it will come in this musical compilation that includes every single final round over the course of 2020. And no, we didn't have as many final rounds as we do in a normal season, but boy, the ones we had certainly delivered. Here's a fun look back at Pro Stock Motorcycle in 2020. Lined up next to Ehler. There was drama coming into this as Matt Smith had to swap the engine out of his motorcycle. That fast engine he had has been parked. They pulled an engine out of either the trailer or another motorcycle. They thrashed to get it ready. They came up at the very last second. Ryan Ehler, Ryan Ehler's been living right, been riding well, and the luck is seemingly broken his way. And that's a lot for Matt Smith to have to change in one of these bikes. He had a little bit of help, but within an hour and a half, changing a complete engine, you also have the clutch to be concerned with and the tune-up and how you're going to set it up for a few degrees more increase that we are seeing on the track. The 51st career win for Jason Line and Pro Stock Car as Ryan Ayler seeks his very first career victory against one of the greatest to ever sit atop a Pro Stock motorcycle. Ayler's in first. Here comes Smith. Final round. Here we go. They leave Smith's bike's box. Ayler was a ridiculous 10 on the tree, and Ryan Ayler is going to pick up his first career victory in this historic race. At Lucas Oil Raceway, Indianapolis, unbelievable as Ryan Ayler, the 36-year-old man from Chicago, doing it his own way at home, grabs the win. Well, he's... Michelle Sampay is chasing her 43rd win in her 74th career final round. Chris Bostic is chasing win number one in the world of NHRA Pro Stock Drag Racing. And if the hair in the back of your neck isn't standing up yet, it might be in a minute. Stage. Here we go. First final of these Dodge Indian Ads presented by Pennzoil. And Box is going to make her think about it. Angel still number one of the Christmas tree. Pushing all of that tension away. Pushing all of the Nationals, 679 at 200. His wife, Suze, in Central Point, Oregon, is losing her mind, I guarantee, and you can probably hear her screaming from here. 
Andrew Hines goes 691-4, and Scotty Polachek has finally slayed the beast. He did everything right, Brian, on the starting line. Final round, Pro Stock Motorcycle. Smith grabbed two hunt off the starting line. And Matt Smith ain't gonna give an inch of it back. Matt Smith, 684-3 at 196 miles per hour. 692-7 at 194 for Andrew Hines. But for Matt Smith, a wire-to-wire -wire victory. Number one qualifier and now a winner of the event at the 2020 Gator Nationals. They are both away on the green. Hundredth of a second advantage went to Matt Smith. Winlight goes to Matt Smith, 6.775. Another 200 mile an hour run. And Matt Smith picks up another trophy. Scotty Polchek is 685. At 197 miles an hour for Matt Smith, that is national event win number 26. Savoy is first out of the game, leaving Joey Gladstone at the altar with a 50 to his 72. And Jerry Savoy has done it again. 6.910 seconds, 191.16 miles an hour. An incredible weekend for Jerry Savoy, a man who had basically not been past the second round of any race this year and didn't even race the St. Louis event, shows up here with Tim Colungian and crew and dominates. Drops an 0.26 reaction time on Ryan Ayler, and he's not going to be 0-10 as he goes to the finish line. 6.801, 198.61 miles an hour. Andy Grayrick has finally broken his streak of bad luck in final rounds. It was only a matter of time. Ayler, 6.905. Yet another race and a new race winner. We've had only one person win two races this season. It was Matt Smith. Every other race has been a different racer in the winner's circle. Steve Johnson's 011. Angie Smith is 077. In one of the most improbable moments of the 2020 season, it is Angie Smith outrunning him by 76 ten thousandths of a second. Steve Johnson had it by the neck off the starting line with that 11 light, but Angie Smith had Matt Smith horsepower. Oh, and look at her raise that trophy. Angie, on the day that you celebrated your husband winning another world champion, you get to make a memory of your own today. What is this moment like for you? You never know when you're gonna get back here. And I'm so emotional. Just words to everybody. Never give up on your dreams. And you can do anything if you put your mind to it. I just wanna thank Denzo and everybody that supports us, Mark Stockton. Elite Performance, Trapmasters, Craig Butcher Trucking, Lucas Hall, everybody that helps us. But most importantly, I want to thank my team. They have built me up, and they have told me to never give up. This was for them, and Matt, I love you. I know I'm sometimes I'm a pain in the butt, but you know what? We got it done today. Congratulations. Yes! And that is our look back at the 2020 Pro Stock Motorcycle season. Hope you enjoyed that uh, musical compilation there. The music that you heard, uh, if you're a really hardcore NHRA fan, you know that that is music that used to be used way back in the very early 1980s and the late 70s in some of the NHRA's television ads that they would place around the country to 
alert people that there are events going on. The song has a weird name. The song is called Strings in Bondage. So if you want to grab it on uh, you know, iTunes or whatever or Apple Music, as the case may be, that is uh, the name of the tune, and that's why I picked it. Kind of an intense, kind of fun uh, tune to back all these great final rounds up with. But that is what Pro Stock Motorcycle Finals look like over the course of 2020. Hope you enjoyed that, and that's going to be a feature coming up for all of our classes as we work through the NHRA Insider Podcast over the offseason. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you gained something from that interview with Leah Pruitt. She was very open, she was very honest, and gave us uh, insight that you don't get from a lot of race car drivers in terms of how the outside forces play a role and how they work inside their race cars. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans. I love making the NHRA Insider Podcast. I love that you listen to it, and we'll be making a bunch of them over the course of the offseason. We'll be back soon here on the NHRA Insider.